Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of Bagoons Barrage, the State of New England podcast with me, your host as always, Jake Donnelly. Now we've got a very special program for you folks, and the reason for that is because it's the NBA Finals. Now, if you listened to the last podcast, I said it was going to be the Warriors in a sweep, and it was not going to be even as close as a normal sweep. I said that the Warriors were going to bludgeon the Cavaliers, and at least through the first two games, that's exactly what we are getting. However, before the start of the series, everybody, because it's what they do, bringing up the LeBron James versus Michael Jordan argument for best basketball player of all time. If you guys have listened to me, you know that I think there's one answer and one answer only. That is Michael Jordan. While LeBron James might be the king, Jordan is God. But I have a very special guest with me here on the program, called in just a moment ago. We had our discussion, conversation, debate, what have you, about who is better. Is it going to be LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Either way, listen in. And welcome back here on Bagoon's Barrage. I'm Jake Donnelly, your host, a.k.a. Bagoon. And I've got with me a very special guest for our LeBron versus MJ conversation here. It is former basketball player at D3 Trinity College, Ian Fells. Ian, thanks for joining me here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, be on the show. All right. So... Everybody's talking about, because LeBron James is back in yet another NBA Finals, everybody is talking about the LeBron versus MJ discussion. Now, I, like I believe most people, believe that it is Michael Jordan, best player of all time, and it's not even close. Now, I can understand when people see somebody like LeBron continuously get to the NBA Finals that they're thinking, well, maybe he has gotten to this mountaintop and you fall more on the LeBron side. Now, for a guy like you, what's the thing that stands out most? Is it those NBA Finals? Well, the first thing I have to, I have to preface this by saying, I don't think it's fair to say LeBron is better, okay. but I also don't think it's fair for people to say that Michael Jordan is leaps and bounds ahead of LeBron James. Is so, this like a 1A? Okay, is this like a 1A, 1B thing for you? Um, I wouldn't say it's a 1A, 1B, but, but people, I think what happens is when people talk about players from the past and legends from the past, um, they, they, they start to idolize them and give them uh, credit for things that weren't always necessarily true. Okay. So, it, you know, I think I, I've heard this a lot about Michael Jordan, how he, you know, he had a killer instinct and he would never pass the ball with the shot clock winding down. He would never miss the game. You know, he would never do this. He would never do that. Yeah. And people lose sight of the fact that that isn't entirely true. I mean, don't take for granted the fact LeBron James has um, almost never missed the game. I think he's played a higher percentage of, of basketball games than any one of these superstars we've ever mentioned in the past. So when you talk about the ability to play through injuries and that will, that fight, um, People just give, you know, LeBron, uh, they give LeBron credit for his athleticism and they say that's why he, he's played, you know, 70 plus games every season. He's been to the finals, I think it's the seventh yeah. time in a row. He's played in uh, multiple Olympic games without taking breaks. And it's and more, say, well, with more usage, too. 
yeah, more usage, mm-hmm. more minutes per game. Um, and, and people immediately jump to the conclusion, well, he's a freaking nature, he's bigger, he's stronger. But there's a huge mental aspect to that to stay focused and to compete on nights when you may not really want to, on nights when you may be fatigued. Michael Jordan never did that. Um, so if you're going to give LeBron uh, the advantage in a head-to-head matchup, the first thing I think you have to talk about is LeBron James is Iron Man of NBA superstars. Michael Jordan left for two years or a year and a half to play baseball. Yeah. Um, he broke his leg, I think, was the second or third year in the, in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, he retired and then came back. Uh, and he played in lockout, shortened season. Uh, uh, I mean, this is a guy, he, he never played in seven straight finals. Right. Um, and, I, and I understand his winning percentage may have been better. Um, but playing seven straight finals and play as many games LeBron James has, I think that's where you start this discussion. And then from there, you say, okay, now let's compare their stats. Now let's compare the competition. Okay, now here's a question, and it perfectly relates to something that you just said. LeBron James has played in seven straight finals. That is something that Michael Jordan hasn't done. That was because of him taking the two seasons off for Major League, uh, not Major League, but for baseball. Now, two questions come from that. One, when you're talking about the Iron Man stuff, do you think that Jordan actually taking that time off to play baseball helped him be better when he came back because he was more refreshed. And then two, if he never left, do you think it would have been eight straight finals for Jordan and the Bulls? Um, you know, personally, I do think it would have been eight straight. Yeah. Would they have won another two? I don't know. I mean, it's just it's it's never fair to say what could have or what would have happened with a player because to speculate isn't isn't I don't think the best way to make an argument. So if you're going to say, well, if Michael Jordan would have played those two seasons, that would have been two more championships. Was the argument I usually hear. Yeah. Um, would have been two more championships. It would have been eight straight finals. But it never happened. And so, you know, that's like saying if LeBron James never did X, Y, or Z, he would have won some of those championships in the past. Or, you know, and and, and you can't make those arguments. They didn't happen. Right, complete hypothetical. It just didn't happen, whereas you would say that people aren't giving James enough credit for never taking the time off. Exactly. I I would say that's where you start that argument. And then I, I know the next argument is, and, and should be, well, look at the all-around game of LeBron James. It's unprecedented. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's Oscar Robertson-worthy. And to sustain it for that long, Russell Westbrook obviously had an incredible season, averaged a triple-double, but that's one year. LeBron James has been on the brink of averaging a triple-double basically since the inception of his career, maybe since his second year. In right, for about 11 uh, of the 13 years he's played, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, you know, I, I think that's the next argument that needs to be made. Um, and again, I'm not saying or advocating LeBron James is better. Um, I don't think that's the argument that we can have at this time. Yeah. You know, if he wins the championship this year or the next year, that argument becomes um, a little bit more valid. Yeah. But it's definitely not Michael Jordan and then, you know, a bunch of space right (laughs) so you're thinking that right now it's jordan 
a little bit of space in LeBron, whereas a lot of people that are on the LeBron uh, train, or sorry, on the MJ train, think it's Jordan, a mountain of nothingness, and then everybody else. And you think that's incorrect? Yeah. I think that's incorrect, yeah. I think, um, you know, if, if you compare their career statistics, right? Eerily uh, similar. LeBron, Le- LeBron is going to have, assuming he doesn't get, you know, some catastrophic injury, he's going to finish with more points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Um, I think with a higher field goal percentage from two point and three, um, I think the only thing. Yeah, it's like Jordan, 34 to 32. Win, yeah. Um, I think the only thing Jordan might have him on is free throw percentage. But overall, if you look at career statistics, LeBron's going to top him everywhere. And you say, well, that's irrelevant because Michael Jordan retired for two years and came back and LeBron entered in high school. Well, we still give Kareem Abdul-Jabbar all that credit for scoring the most points ever. And he played like 20 seasons. It so. was unguardable. Literally seven foot three, maybe seven foot four, and had the best hook shot in history, the most unguardable shot in NBA history. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And for, I, I think yeah. look at those career numbers, uh, you got to give the nod to LeBron. Again, I'm, I'm just explaining why it isn't yeah. Michael Jordan leaps and bounds ahead of LeBron. Um, you know, because if you match them up head to head, you'll just see more rings for Michael Jordan, higher scoring average, and then everything else will fall in LeBron's favor. Now, that is really the crux of the argument. Everything you said is absolutely statistically correct. LeBron James might finish with more points per game. He'll probably finish better from the field, better from three. Jordan's better from the free throw line. In terms of wins, it's Jordan. In terms of longevity, it's going to be um, LeBron James. So, for a lot of people, it comes down to that winning desire kind of stuff that instinct that um jordan has and you mentioned at the beginning of this discussion that people kind of forget that jordan didn't take every single shot and people bash on lebron for letting guys take the spotlight do you think that it is okay to take a look at LeBron James and harken back to like the game seven from last year where the best player on the floor, especially in the fourth quarter, to many was actually Kyrie Irving. And Irving's the guy that takes the shot to win. Or do you think that the entire, right, do you think that the entire um, notebook that LeBron had during that series was enough to make everybody else forget about Irving and his game seven? You know, I, I, I think it's fair to, to, to point a finger at LeBron and say, how come it's Kyrie Irving or how come it's Dwayne Wade or how come it's always someone else um, that's hitting that last second shot, mm-hmm. right? Or you're getting the ball up, you're deferring to your teammates. But I think the first thing we have to realize is these are two very different players. Michael Jordan and LeBron James are very different players. Um, we shouldn't, I, quite frankly, I think Michael Jordan was a better scorer. And Kobe Bryant was a better scorer. Yeah. But I don't think either of them were better passers or better rebounders or better all-around players, necessarily. So, you know, when you point a finger at LeBron, you say, hey, the last 24 seconds, that shot clock's winding down. LeBron James makes the right basketball play, but he doesn't have that killer instinct. Well, did Dennis Rodman have a killer instinct, or was he just a rebounder? Killer you know, instinct. Was LeBron our best? Did yeah. he have a killer instinct, or was he just a great defender? Mm-hmm. If we're only defining killer instinct by their ability to score the ball, 
Then there are Oscar Robertson and Magic Johnson. Did they have killer instincts? Magic Johnson wasn't a scorer, but he's still one of the best players of all time because he was such a great all-around player. Right. I think a good way to think about this is when LeBron James first came into the league, he was surrounded by a very weak supporting cast. The future, immediately, yes. the, immediately they become a winning team. I mean, I think it was the second year they're in the playoffs. The year after that, they're challenging in the conference finals. Immediately they become a good team. With just LeBron, if you look at his, his cast, they're awful. When Michael Jordan first came into the league, the Bulls were awful. For the next few years, the Bulls were still pretty bad. It wasn't until Scottie Pippen developed into an all-star caliber player and they retained other role players, the Dennis Rodman, the Tony coaches, that they became a championship-level team. Um, I think the problem with what's going on today is, uh, and I think this has more to do with free agency, LeBron has sort of created a monster by leaving and, and, and packing up for South Beach. Right. I think that started with the Celtics, quite frankly. Yeah, he couldn't get past um, and, the Celtics. So, yeah, yeah, and and then I think when the Celtics uh, basically banded together, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, the rest of the league said, "That's kind of how you get it done." Let's, instead of drafting players and and relying on the draft to win championships, the way to really do it is clear cap space and bring in superstars. Yeah, and they, the Celtics did it, and then the Heat did it. Now the Warriors have done it. The Cavs are trying to do it. So I think what's really hurt LeBron is every time LeBron gets to the finals, he is playing against the team with three or four superstars. Michael Jordan did not do that. I know I know he won all of them. But you talk about Utah. Utah had Stockton and Malone, right? That's a great team. Yeah. But is Stockton and Malone comparable to Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili? Um, you know, maybe, and Kawhi Leonard, who's now competing for MVP, they have four potential Hall of Famers. We talk about the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry and Kevin Garnett are for sure going to end as Hall of Famers. Um, there's a potential for some other supporting cast players to end as Hall of Famers. Uh, they won the most games ever. You know, you talk about the Celtics when he was fighting to get to the Celtics, three potential Hall of Famers. Definitely. Jordan beat, yeah. the, beat the Suns. Barkley, who I think was the only Hall of Famer there. Uh, the Pistons, if you want to include Dennis Rodman, you know, you can do that. But Isaiah Thomas is really the only Hall of Famer. Well, um, you also had Lambeer on that team. Lambeer, but if you consider Bill Lambeer a Hall of Fame caliber player, uh, you know, look at his, his stats. I, I don't think you put Lambeer in the same echelon as Kevin Garnett or Tim Duncan. No, you know, no, you are absolutely correct on that. I'm green. Yep. You know, I consider him more of a Draymond Green. My point is, by LeBron leaving and, and players of this day and age having the autonomy to move around through free agency and form these super teams, it's helped someone like LeBron because now he has an easier path to the finals. Yeah. But once he gets there, he's playing against a stacked team. These aren't teams like Jordan was playing against. I, I know it, it, it's painful for Jordan fans to hear that, but that's the truth. I mean... <laughs> You look at Jordan's final tapes, he's, I think, you know, Portland had a couple at one point, but he's not playing against more than two or three. 
Right, but that's so. What I would go with is that you're also playing against, if you want, the Jordan Pro argument on that one. He's playing against teams that had been together for five, six years and were really well-rounded teams. And he did play against a bunch of Hall of Famers. Like Portland had Clyde Drexler. Uh, the first one, the Bulls almost swept the Lakers in '91. They were two seconds away from doing that. Um, then they take down the Suns. I think the weakest team that. Jordan faced was probably that 93 Suns team, and that was Barkley at his apex. And then he goes away for two years. They lose. Everybody forgets. He came back for the 95 finals, and this is me making a little bit of your point, and they lost to the Magic. But the Magic had apex predator Shaquille O'Neal and Anthony Hart, uh, and Penny Hardaway. I always mess up saying Anthony. That's why his name's Penny. Um, but they also had Penny Hardaway. Right, in 95, and that team was unreal. take them to the conference finals without Jordan? Sorry, sorry. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, sorry. That's, um, right. And that's how good the Bulls team is. And then the Bulls rip off three in a row. Um, in 96, it's Peyton. And Peyton held him. It's the only time that Jordan shot worse than 50% in the finals. It's because he had maybe one of the top five on-ball defenders guarding him the entire time. And then you have Peyton and uh, Sean Kemp. And then in 7 and 8 with uh, the Jazz, it's Stockton and Malone. Now, like to me, those are all tremendous teams. But when you're talking about, like, well, LeBron has to play these monster teams in the finals... Isn't that his own doing, though? The the Celtics got together from a trade at the draft night and then picked up Ray Allen. The Heat, it was all free agency. And the same thing with the Cavaliers. So isn't the fact that the Warriors are a super team, wouldn't you say that's LeBron's fault? I, I, would, say, I, I would say to a large degree... These super teams are a direct result, or at least partially a result, of LeBron James' own doing. His his move to South Beach told the rest of the NBA, "If you want to win a championship, this is how you do it. Yeah. You're not you're not going to get through it. You're not going to get to the NBA Finals by drafting. It's yeah. not going to happen. You got to trade. You got to trade for superstars. You got to join together. Um, and it's a, it's the path of least resistance." Um, but the NBA has changed, and, and that's kind of the way I think it's done. I think a, a good way to – another good argument, a good way to look at this is if you take Michael Jordan off the Bulls, they go to the conference finals and they lose to Shaq, like you just said, yeah. the apex predator in his prime, and Anthony Hardaway. If you take LeBron James off any of his championship teams or any team – they immediately become middle of the pack at best, right? I mean, that's even with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, they're still probably somewhere in the playoffs, right? I mean, we look at what happened to him as soon as he left the Cavaliers. They won 60 games the very next year. They're, they're drafting with the number one pick. Right. I mean, that, that's a serious drop-off. You look at the Heat, and I'm a Heat fan. You know, people say, oh, my God, you're a Heat fan. No wonder you're just saying LeBron. Yeah, you're from Miami. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I'm a little biased. But as soon as LeBron leaves the Heat, now we're in uh, the eighth seed, if we're lucky. You know, we're we're competing for the the, the end of the playoffs. I mean, I think that shows how good he really is and how much he impacts the team. 
Okay, so we've talked about uh, the comparison in terms of like the timeline with the finals. Do you put any weight into this year's finals impacting LeBron overall? Because, I mean, he's going up against what might be the best, especially for the age that they're playing, in terms of, like, the Warriors right now, if you had to create a space and pace team, this is the best team. I don't think you could drop the Warriors into, like, the late 80s um, bird and magic scenario and they would run roughshod. But for this era of basketball, this is, I think, the best possible team you could come up with. So with that being said, do you think if the Cavs get swept or if LeBron loses in like five or six games, do you think that has any impact because he's playing the best team ever and it's just entirely unfair, at least from how I look at it? I, I still think it has a huge effect. If he loses in the finals, uh, I think this argument becomes a lot more one-sided in Jordan's favor. Whether that's fair or not, you know, if you think about last year, if you go by records, last year, LeBron beat the best regular season team. I don't know how you want to say what the best team actually is. Right, best, yeah. potentially the best team ever. So if we go by regular season records, last year LeBron beat the best team ever, down 3-1. If we go by this year, they added Kevin Durant. Everyone says, well, now they're even better. If they're even better, and LeBron beats a team that's even better, I think this argument now flips in LeBron's favor. If okay. they lose... I don't, I don't think it's just a moot point. I think it hurts them. I, I, even though that's not fair necessarily, I think it hurts them. I think this puts more distance because at the end of the day, people look at championship rings. They look at his final losses, and they're just going to say, hey, Michael Jordan was 6-0, and and this guy is, you know, who knows what he finishes? Three and who knows? Yeah, right now he's so, three out of seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a great finals winning percentage. Now, just to get there, I think is is pretty spectacular. Yeah. You know, there are players who go their whole careers; they don't make it to the NBA finals. Um, but I, I I just think uh, if he loses the finals, it, it hurts his resume. It puts more distance to this argument. Do you think the way that he has played defensively against Kevin Durant? is going to hurt him. In my estimation from watching, or not even estimation, analysis, from watching the first two games, the best player on the court in this series is Kevin Durant. Do you agree with that, or do you think that LeBron is just not getting enough help and he's still the best player on the court? Uh, I mean, if we're talking about who the best player is... For this series so right far. now. If you're talking about who's playing the best, yes. Kevin Durant is playing the best. Okay. Um, now, now, how your team is made up, the players, the supporting cast, that that has a huge effect on how an individual player performs. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's clear across, you look across the history of superstars and basketball players, you look at statistics, and when, when great players team up together, their individual statistics go down, their field goal percentages go up. Yeah. It just becomes a lot easier for them to find good shots, the flow, the rhythm, you can rely on other players. It, it's physically draining, it's exhausting to carry a team offensively. It's, it's easy for players to be great on defense. I'm talking about NBA players, not for, not Division Three guys. It's easy <laughs> for NBA players 
to be great at one aspect of the game. You want to be a great shooter, you can be Kyle Korver. You want to be a great defender, you can be a great defender. But to be a player that dominates on both sides is very difficult. A Kawhi Leonard, it's very rare. LeBron dominates on both sides. Uh, And when he doesn't have a supporting pass uh, and you're carrying an offense, um, it's draining. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going on now, but what I am saying is Kevin Durant is benefiting from that. Mm-hmm. So now you're seeing Kevin Durant, it's so easy for him to find open looks because they can't double Kevin Durant, not with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. So he is really excelling right now in the finals. I'm not saying he's the best player. I'm saying he's playing the best. Yeah, and so that brings me to my other point. I completely agree how you differentiated between those two things. I think by far in this series, the best player in in the series is LeBron James, but who is playing the best, to me, it's Kevin Durant. I mean, he comes up with five blocks in game two. He's shooting out of his mind. He's more than 50% from the field. He's exactly 50% from three, and he's been close to a triple-double in each of the last two games. But with that being said, Kevin Durant is playing the best in this series. What do you say about people like me <laughs> that say this isn't the first time this has happened in a series with LeBron James? The fact that James's teams have lost four out of the seven finals they played and the best player more times than not in the finals is not LeBron James, like the player that's playing the best. Do you think that's a valid argument when guys like Andre Iguodala win the MVP, when Tony Parker wins the MVP, Dirk Nowitzki? Do you think that's a valid argument when people try to detract from the legacy of LeBron James? Yeah, no, I do. I think that's a fair argument. You can't ignore the fact that um, LeBron James at least statistically, uh, it's been performing as well in the finals. Uh, The question is, what do you attribute that to? Because his conference finals numbers have been pretty ridiculous. Other world. I remember when we played the Celtics, it was like one of the best conference finals performances ever. Um, You know, so, is is it, can can we point a finger and say, oh, he doesn't like, doesn't like crunch time, he's a choke artist, he's, I think he's he's beyond that already. Right. Every time, I mean, he's won the championship three times. He played. Uh, he had a great series. At least the first championship we won. The one we lost against the Dallas Mavericks. I'm talking about we. I'm saying the Miami Heat. When yeah. the Heat lost to the Mavericks, LeBron took a lot of flack for that Finals. He was abysmal. That's the, the worst he's ever year, lost. He was great in the finals. Yeah. So, and again, when we say he's not showing up. Um, if you look at his numbers, you're still going to say LeBron is playing pretty well. At the end of the series, even if they get swept, if you look at his numbers, he's probably going to average greater than 25 points a game, covering around 50% field goal percentage, close to 10 rebounds, close to 8 assists. I mean, they're going to be great numbers, but you're right. Kevin Durant is outplaying him in this series. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the Mavericks, it's more of a team effort. You can't really... Can't really pin down one player. And Dirk went off. Like, yeah, Dirk, Dirk went off. And he was it was uh, he was unguardable. That was the thing. And Tyson Chandler had the best, pretty much. He had the best month of his life in the end of those playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Barea played great. They yeah. really, as a team, played played very well. But 
you know, I just think making that argument, you look at the Spurs, was LeBron the best player on the court when they lost to the Spurs? Or uh, was Kawhi Leonard? I mean, if you look at their numbers, you'd probably say, if, if none of the players had names, you just looked at the numbers, the, the statistics, you would say LeBron James is probably still the best player on the court. You know, that that's kind of the, the, the deduction you'd make after looking at their numbers. Whether or not um, they win the series, that's a different story. Right, so it's the most impactful, actually using the V in MVP type of argument, which player most valuable when they're on the court. And I think, like, to me, that's the big thing. When it comes down to the LeBron James versus Michael Jordan argument, it's that every time in every single one of those finals, the best player and the guy that played the best and was the most impactful was Michael Jordan. I mean... I never count the final couple of years when he came back with the Wizards, but what's the lasting image for most people when it comes to Michael Jordan? It's that final shot, right, against Byron Russell in the Jazz in 98? Right. Do you remember what preceded that, how the Bulls got the ball? Yeah, stole it from Carl Malone. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive when you're stealing it from one of the better post players of the late 90s. Granted, Malone only had a couple of moves, but he was still a damn good post player. And to me, like, that's what um, Jordan did. I think that's why so many people started putting LeBron James in the Jordan argument last year. It's because that chase down block as somebody that has never liked LeBron James, I can enjoy his play, but I just don't like the persona. Um, that play, the chase down block of Iguodala last year, is equivalent to that sequence, in my opinion, of Jordan's last shot in 98 against the Jazz, except it was Jordan that took the final shot, and for the Cavs, it was Kyrie Irving that took the final shot, and yet, I think that's something that actually speaks to LeBron, is that he let Irving, who couldn't miss anything in that fourth quarter, take the final shot. Yeah, I mean, again, if if you were to have, uh, you know, your, your son or your brother or your friend play basketball for the first time, um, you'd want to model their game after LeBron James. Yes. That's what you, I mean, you say, look, I want you to be an all-around player, get your teammates involved, make the right basketball play. Um, you know, it's not that Michael Jordan wasn't a great all-around player. He was. But you're comparing him to LeBron James, who I think is the best all-around player of all time. Whether he's the best player of all time, um, that's obviously debatable. That's what we're doing now. So, you know, I don't think it's fair to fault LeBron, and we, I, that's pretty much what the media loves to do for not taking the final shot or, or you know, putting his head down and attacking the rim when he's got Kyrie Irving or he's got someone with a hot hand or there's someone open in the corner. I mean, it, I remember he made a pass in the corner to a wide-open Daniel Marshall. I think it was against the Pistons with the time winding down. He drove to the basket, and everyone slammed him for not taking a shot. Right. They said he should have taken a shot. Daniel Marshall was wide open in the corner. If Daniel Marshall, if he hits that shot, it's a great play. He wins. Right. It's a great play, and everyone would say that is incredible court vision. I mean, it was a great pass. He was driving towards the baseline and swung it to the opposite corner. So you know, I I, I think that if we're gonna attack LeBron, it, it's got to be on different ground. Attack him for losing in the finals not for the plays that he's making in the finals, because he's making the right basketball plays, 
it's just not Michael Jordan. He's not Kobe Bryant. He's not trying to shoot the ball 30 times a game. He's never been that way. He's never going to be that way. Um, we, ne- you know, people don't attack Tim Duncan. They don't attack uh, Magic Johnson. They don't attack other players that impacted the game in other ways for being too unselfish. But we love to get on LeBron for that because we want to compare him to Michael Jordan. All right, two questions, final two questions, and I think they're going to be fairly simple. The first one is, as it relates to this finals uh, against the Warriors, do you think it's LeBron simply he has too much to do and he's he's trying to do too much? And it's just merely an impossible climb against this Warriors team. Because he seemed gassed. Like, there was nothing left in his engine in the fourth quarter in game two, and that was after he was vintage LeBron for the first two and a half quarters. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say in regards to whether or not he's gassed, only because, um, you know, I could say, look, the Warriors pushed the tempo to, to the 10th degree. I mean, this is like, they are the fastest team in the league. They space you out. They go a thousand miles an hour. And they're drilling shots from all over the place. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's tired. But if he comes back game three and puts up 40 points and 15 rebounds and 10 assists, we're all going to say, oh, LeBron's back. Right. Um, so so he, he's human. He, you know, he's still a human being. He can have His post-game pressers would, yes, tell you that. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't know. What was the stat line in game two? It, it, it was probably, what, he probably had 30 points. His stat line in game uh, two was 29 points, 14 rebounds, 11 assists after a 28-15-8 in game one. Yeah, so, I mean, look, <laughs> if any other player has those numbers, they're going to get a max contract and they're going to be signed to be the franchise player of their team, right? When LeBron James does it, we fault him because they lost, period. If they win that game... It's no big deal. They lost, so we say, oh, he must have been tired, he must have been gassed. I don't know if I can say it's because the Warriors are a super team or because they push the tempo and they really stake it out. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to point a finger that quickly and say, aha, that's what it is. Yeah. Because he could come back game three and, and, and win and everyone forgets what happened game two. Yeah. All right, now here's the final question I want to ask you. It's uh, from something that you had said about three or four minutes ago that I hadn't thought of. Do you think, and you've kind of been dancing around this uh, phrasing and topic, I think actually like for the last 15 minutes or so, do you think part of why people like me love Jordan so much is that Jordan looks like your stereotypical NBA player and he just took all of his talents and increased it to a way and in a manner that no one thought possible, whereas if you took LeBron, you kind of expect it out of him because he is this six foot eight, two hundred and fifty-five pound monster. In other words, it seems to me that Jordan has some deficiencies when you look at his body and what he's capable of. But yet LeBron James, he can do whatever he wants on the court, a la a Magic Johnson. Like, there's not a single thing with his frame and his size that he shouldn't be able to do on the court. 
and the fact that he's that fast. Do you think that's part of the problem? It's that there's more that people perceive James being able to do. You know, I, I, I don't think I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem has more to do with scoring. Yeah. Um, I think we 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 love scorers. We love points. I mean, we love when Kobe Bryant scored eighty-one. When he scored sixty something on his in his last game, whatever it was, um, that's what we love. Don't forget, I mean, Michael Jordan still had a seven foot something wingspan. He yeah. could jump from the he literally could jump from the free throw line, and he was a magnificent athlete. He was probably one of the best. I mean, there wasn't anyone at that at that time who could hang in the air the way that Michael Jordan could. Was he two hundred and fifty pounds? No. <laughs> and, and this is not, look. If LeBron James was playing in that era, he'd be even better. He'd be even better because the way the game has changed if you watch film back then you watch film now it's not that players back then couldn't drill between their legs and cross people over and go to the rim the difference is people are shooting more three-pointers now than ever before and that number is only going to increase lebron james is 6'8 and 250 pounds and yet everyone is playing 25 feet away from the rim that's where the game is being played now. And he's the always is, been an average three-point shooter. Right. Exactly. He's never been a great shooter. If Michael Jordan was playing in today's game, he would not be nearly as effective as he was back then. Oh, I, I would... think that argument... Go ahead. No, I would, I would completely disagree with that. If you take out hand-checking and you give Jordan the Euro step and the knowledge that the three-point line is the most pivotal thing in the NBA, I think Jordan averages 40 a game. Imagine not being... Sorry. If you, if, if you took the Euro step and gave it to Jordan, if you took out hand-checking and you gave him the knowledge that the three-point shot is the most important shot in the game, this was a guy who his go-to was a pull-up from a step and a half inside the three-point line. Imagine if, or a three-point line. Imagine if you took him out an extra six feet, he'd average 40 a game. So, so here's, my, here's my rebuttal to that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard enough to make a, a, an argument that's generational. Say yeah. Michael Jordan was playing against guys today and LeBron James was playing against and guys back then. I hate that, yeah. So, <laughs> I think, yeah, well, that's what we're, we're both doing it. Right. So I think, the first place to start is to say, what are their games like today? How would that translate? Not to say, this is what they could have done if they would have practiced to be something else. Gotcha. Okay. That's like saying if LeBron James practiced on his three-pointers all the time, he'd be a better three-point shooter. Trust me, that guy's in the gym practicing his three-pointers. He's just not a great... So, so it's not fair to say Michael Jordan would have been a great three-point shooter had Michael Jordan worked on his three-point shooting. It's, it's not an argument you can make. In the same way, you can't say that if he would have stayed in the NBA and said, we're going to play baseball, he'd win those two championships. It didn't happen. We don't know if it ever would have happened. Gotcha. That's like saying LeBron James will be a great three-point shooter if he works on his three-point shooting. We don't know. It, it, he's not a great three-point shooter. Michael Jordan was not a great three-point shooter. What we do know is LeBron is great attacking the rim. Yes. We do know he scores the vast majority of his points in the paint. We do know he's 255 pounds or however big he is. He might be bigger than that. Yeah. And he absorbs contact extremely well around the rim. That is where the game was played 
in the early 90s. It was played around the rim. Magic Johnson could not shoot a three-pointer, but he was shooting hook shots. He was a six-foot-nine point guard shooting hook shots, scoring the majority of his points around the rim. LeBron James would have excelled, I believe, in that type of game. Michael Jordan's game today in 2017 when everyone is shooting from 25 feet and seven-footers are shooting three-pointers, Michael Jordan's game was in post. That's where he scored. He posted players up and turned around and shot jump shots. I don't think that game translates as well. So, based on that argument, I would say that LeBron James would have been a more dominant player playing in that era than if Michael Jordan were playing today. Interesting. I don't think I've heard that one, but you proposed it real well. And uh, All right, Ian, thank you. I appreciate this. This was great. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that was Ian Ian Fells, former college basketball player, with our LeBron versus MJ discussion. And that will do it here for Bagoon's Barrage, the State of New England podcast. With your host, as always, Jake Donnelly, a.k.a. Bagoon. And once again, a very special thank you to Ian Fells for joining here. As always, folks, go New England.